Hey, this is Caleb Clay, Associate Pastor of Anchor Faith Church here in Valdosta, Georgia. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We believe that it will minister to you and be a blessing to your life. Now get ready to receive a word from God. Man, aren't you thankful for our church? Yes. Okay, who's excited to be here? Okay, that was awesome. Um... Whose favorite time of year is this time of year? Yeah. I can't see you. Okay. Anybody else? Just Adrian? Oh, wow. That was... Well, I can see you now. All right. It sure will. Thank you, Adrian. All right. All right. It's good to see y'all. It's good to uh, just... Kind of be here and share my heart. That's what I'm going to do tonight. And um, I know I just prayed. I'm just going to, um, let's just pray again. I love what Pastor Mark said on um, Sunday that God's not done and neither are we. And so, God, we just thank you for that. We know that you're not done. We're not done. Uh, so, Holy Spirit, we ask you tonight to just, you have permission to work on any area of our lives that just needs to be worked on. We give you full uh, permission because we are always advancing. We're always advancing. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and turn to First uh, John. But I wanted to, I was thinking about, like months ago, I read Proverbs 7, and you don't have to turn there. Proverbs 7 is about, um, it says it's not a good idea to, to sleep with somebody who's not your spouse. I'm not going to be talking about that tonight, but it is, that's good, that's true. But I was reading that in the Passion Translation, and uh, the love came much later than I thought it would. Man, I was reading that in the Passion Translation, and at the end of Proverbs 7, it said, there was this phrase, and it said, they were like, Kidnapped captives, robbed of destiny. And that just so gripped me that I memorized it. And uh, it kept replaying in my head. They were like kidnapped captives, robbed of destiny. And I'm going to be just continuing to minister tonight on what Pastor Mark's been ministering to on culture. Because the culture that you set or let in your life will either rob you of your God-given destiny or propel you towards it. So that's why any message on culture will always be a message on purpose. Man, if Chris was here, I was going to say something like a very wise old man said. <laughs> so maybe it'll be on tape. That uh, Doesn't he say that saying that if you don't know where you're going, you'll take every road? Yeah which is the same thing as you're either going to set culture in your life, in your home, in your family, you're going to let it happen. And that's what Pastor Mark's been ministering, ministering on. So I know this is a word for each one of us individually and a word corporate, corporately for our church. Um, he mentioned Romans 12 last week, and in the message translation it says, we're developing well-formed maturity in this church and I love that. I love the, I, the thought of that. I see that happening in our church. Because a new nature demands a new culture. And the new life on the inside, it has to become new life on the outside. 
So Romans 1 and 12, 1 and 2, he said last week, it's not an option, it's an obligation. You can't change what's around you until you change what's in you. <laughs> in the message translation, Romans 12, 2, it says, it goes on to say, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Because if you do, it will no doubt, it'll rob you of your destiny. And we all know that, and that makes sense. And we shake our heads. But tonight I want to challenge you that maybe there are places where we've become just a little too adjusted and we don't even know it. And there's one area that we see all too often in the body of Christ. It, it looks a lot like the world. And so I'm going to start tonight by reading 1 John 4.18. This is a, um, I think for, for the past three, four months, I've just, I've read 1 John every day. And something that God's revealing to me, something that I'm walking through, still very much walking through it. So I'm going to read that from on a New King James Version. 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. It's the most important thing I'll say tonight. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. My translation said, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We live in a world afraid. Is that okay to say? A world panicked? I wonder if someone asked us, uh, asked us what would it look like to live a day without fear? How many of us would answer? And this is not an indictment. This is just a challenge. Where are we at? Where, are we at? Where do we fall? How many of us would answer, oh, that's, that's how I live? Because I'm a part of this kingdom that's always advancing, and my standing is identical with Christ, right? It says that just in the verse above, 1 John 4, 18, it says that just as he is in this world, so are we, right? And that no matter what happens, even if the worst happens, I will be okay, but I'm wondering sometimes if our response is more along the lines of if we, were to ask, if we were asked what would it look like to live a day without fear, if, if our response would be more like, I don't know. I don't know because I'm worried sick about my children and my aunt is diagnosed with cancer, and I'm worried about my own health, and my company's about to go under, and my marriage is bad. It looks bad, right? How many of our responses would fall along those lines? And so often we use words like I'm worried or I'm concerned, but the root of all of that is fear. And I'm not making light of any of those things. I'm just saying we read here there is no fear in love. And I could go on and we could talk about all kinds of fears and spiders and snakes. And uh, my kids were crawling through a culvert pipe the other day. That is not good. I am not advocating for that. That's the web children. And we live around a pond and there's a, a culvert. There's a culvert around the pond. It wasn't by the road. But they were starting to crawl in. And so, no, I had to have a talk about that. So I'm not talking about just going 
blindly into culvert pipes. But um, secretly, I was, I was a little proud that they were not afraid. They were not afraid to just go in that pipe. Is that crazy? So people have a... <laughs> It is, it is, I know, I know, it's, yes, I could tell you story after story, there, there's so much, you know, Matt and I didn't realize when we became parents, that there's so much fear with parenting, and so pretty soon, I think, even when, when I was pregnant, then we would have just these comments, just wait until they're two, that's fear, I mean, it's somebody's pain, uh, but it's still fear, just wait until they're 16, even judgment and offense, they're rooted in fear, fear of being wronged, fear of being hurt, fear of not fitting in, fear of not being liked or accepted or loved. You know, in uh, therapy, when we were students, Elizabeth and I were students, our instructor, when we'd have somebody in the therapy room uh, raise their voice or yell, the instructor would just tell us, hey, they're just afraid they're not being heard. Okay, so even that, there's fear behind that. Uh, divisiveness, outrage, it's all rooted in fear, right? Uh, you see it every time you turn on the news. So we could go through, what, control, fear of death, fear of loss. Those are, are real things. And yet, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. So tonight, maybe it's not a fear thing but a love thing. Maybe it's just we don't know love. And one of my favorite stories this year is about Megan and baseball. And she said I could tell it. And so you just jump up and tell, tell it if you want to. Um, Megan has a son named Benaya, And he's like world-class best athlete, hands down. How old is he? Like seven or eight? He's, I should know this. And so uh, he's seven. And um, Megan signed him up for baseball, and they were really excited, and um, they didn't know anybody. They had Pastor Mark as a coach last year, and he's the world's best coach, and so they had high standards, but they signed him up at a league because Pastor Mark wasn't coaching this spring, this fall, and um, they went to practice. They didn't know anybody, and so I was, he was so excited, and that night I called to ask Megan how it went, and she said to me, I can't talk about it. And so we kind of have this thing as sisters. If we say that, then, okay, okay, that's fine. We know we're processing something, and we'll just wait. So come to find out, months later, Megan and they took Benaya to baseball practice, and it was horrible. It was terrible. The coaches were, it was just bad. It was a bad situation. And Megan went home, and God told her two things that night. The first thing God told Megan is, don't say anything about this. And the second thing he said was, I'm in it. I'm in this. And so she had a choice at that moment. She could have called me, because if she would have called me, she would have stepped into fear. She would have stepped into a culture of fear, and we would have just stirred it up, right? How dare he treat my son that way? How dare, Benai is going to be ruined. He's going to hate baseball for the rest of his life if he has this horrible coach. I don't know what I'm going to do. We better get off the team right? And so we buy into that culture maybe without even knowing it. But instead, she chose to step in love, and she said, you know what? I'm not going to talk about it. We're going to honor him. I don't even know how that looks, but God said I, he's in it. And so I'm going to honor him, and we're going to love on him. And so I watched at the end of the season. She was talking about, man, we're going to get Benaya on his team 
next year. Benai has learned so much that was that a stretch? <laughs> she said she had so much love for this coach. It's so cool. Isn't that a cool story? How she just shut it down because so many times we want to just call and we don't even realize what we're doing. All right. Let's, in, the, in the message in 1 John, let's go back up to 17 and 18. It says, God is love. That is agape in all of those passages when I'm saying love. It is God's very nature. It's who he is. It's a divine love. It gives and gives and gives. It says, God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God, and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us, so that we're free of worry on judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment is one not yet fully formed in love. We, though, are going to love. Love and be loved. First we were loved, now we love. He loved us first. You know, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about there's no fear in love. And 10 years ago when Matt and I got married... I don't know if some of you know it, some of you don't. Matt was an alcoholic, like seven nights a week, full out, running a company, uh, passing out at night. It's a wonderful, amazing story. Um, you can ask us about it anytime because we love to talk about it. But I remember that we got married, and um, he would get bad news about the company, about the business, and he would drink. And he would get a bad phone call, and then he would drink and the business was not doing well. He was writing at the time in like a journal. This is just the worst time of my life. And we were just newly married. So I was, <laughs> that is really funny to me now. <laughs> so I was thinking about that the other day because that was our, our first year of marriage. And he was, uh, I just remember those bad phone calls and I could see fear crippling him. And then I remember, I don't know, maybe year five when we were married. And by that time, he was free of alcohol, and, and um, so much had changed. And he, I remember this, this particular phone call. It was a bad phone call about the company. And he walked in the house, and I could see it on his face. I could see the fear. I could see the concern. I could see him. He was in tears, and he was sick, physically sick, because it was just bad. And he looked at me and he said, I got to go to the bedroom. And he went to the bedroom and he fell on his face and he prayed. And I just remember thinking, okay, that's, wow, we've come a long way. And then last week, what, we're 10 years or, yeah. And uh, last week, because we've had some ups and downs with the business this year, and there have been bad phone calls still, and you have those bad and good. And so last week, uh, I was, I've been reading 1 John 4.18, and so I said to him, you just don't look concerned. You just don't look concerned at all. You don't look worried. You don't look afraid. And he looked at me, and he's like, I'm not. I'm not. Because God told me he's got us. He's, he's got this. If he, even if he doesn't, he's still good. Isn't that a beautiful progression? 
I mean, do you see that progression then with, with what was going on? I'm leaving a lot out there. Um, I, I love to talk about progression and look at it because it should be that way in all of our lives because we go from glory to glory, from strength to strength. So it's really cool to look back and see like how far we've come. Huh, I'm leaving a lot out, but what we were doing during that time is we were hiding God's word, word in our heart. We were hanging around people that were a lot stronger than we were. We were no doubt letting God heal areas that just needed to be healed. Uh, what else were we doing? We were growing up in the love of God. We were realizing that, man, he'd been pursuing us all our lives. They were still pursuing us, and we were renewing our minds, which will always lead to trust, right, which then leads to faith. So when you're renewing your mind and you're trusting his nature, you're hearing the word, it's building your faith over and over again. That's why we sing, I've seen you move. You've moved the mountain. You've moved it in year one, in year two, in year three, in year four, and I know you're going to do it again, right? And then that trust and faith, it'll always lead to hope. So you live in this place that your hopes are up. They're always up because you know that God wants to love on me. He's chasing me down to bless me. Blessings are his nature. Love is his nature. And I'm ready. I'm right here ready to receive. So no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. That's a different place, right? Matt's statement last week came from a place, 1 John 4, 16, God is love. It's his nature. It's who he is. I love this quote. I think it's by Graham Cook. He says, if you are fearful, know that God is not going to be dealing with fear because fear died on the cross in Jesus. He's going to teach you perfect love. He's going to teach you to be loved amazingly because perfect love cast out fear. So at any given moment, there are two cultures at play in our lives to cultures. I'm using culture just because it's something we set, that we make a decision, that we choose. So fear or love. Jesus did everything in love. And from there, we could talk about a lot of different cultures that we'd set, like a culture of freedom, which leads to love, or a culture right now, we're working on creating a culture of honor in our house, that it is not okay to slap your brother when he takes your toy, uh, not because mommy is going to get mad at you. That would be punishment, right? But because your brother is made in the image and we're all put together for a reason. Do you see the difference there? So there are a lot of different cultures, but tonight I want to just talk about fear and love because I feel like everything flows from those two. And and for the last two months, I have heard God tell me, I am in the unexpected. And he said this over and over again, I am in the unexpected. And when I heard it, I, uh, I cringed. <laughs> Not... I know he's in the unexpected. I thought and I heard unexpected bad. I heard that. I think we even talked about that. Tiffany, I think you were like, oh, no. So you hear that, and I, I just, oh, God, okay. So it's almost like I was gearing up, okay, okay, I know you're there. Count it all joy. But I felt like I was missing it. Like I, I, he kept saying that, and I felt like 
just the Holy Spirit nudging me, like, I'm, I'm not getting what you're trying to tell me, God. What are you trying to tell me? Because I don't understand. And the other day I was driving, I dropped the kids off from school, and it's a long drive back. And so I was driving, and I just heard him gently ask me, are you hearing what I'm saying through a lens of love or fear? And it just so clicked for me then. It changed everything. And all of the sudden, all of the sudden, what God was saying, it just, I knew that that's where he was leading me. I think that's where God is leading all of us. Uh, suddenly, when you hear that and you're in a culture and a lens of love, then it is packed full of hope. Do you see the difference? Does that make sense? And so then it's like God is in the unexpected. I am, he said, I am in the un unexpected, and it is far more than you've imagined. And he is consistently telling me this over the, over the course of two months. And the other night I was reading a book to the kids, like fighting back tears, and they were wondering, what is going on? They asked me, Mommy, are you crying happy tears? And it was about Abraham. <laughs> and it says, and I just brought it to read because it said, God said, everything is always more than it seems, more than you can see. I am doing unexpected things. And it goes on. And so I'm crying, and the kids are like, okay. Um, isn't that cool how we kept just confirming? Um, I do, and this is a side note. I feel like this year, 2019, we are going into is a year of the unexpected fruitfulness of God. And what I mean by that, I think we will be, Anchor Faith will be fruitful in 2019, no doubt. Right? We've sown seeds. We've been obedient. We've done the work. We, absolutely. But I felt like God, I knew God was telling me that on top of that was a layer of fruitfulness that can only come from him just because he's good, just because he can, just because it's his nature, right? On top of the fruitfulness that we expect already because he's in the unexpected. Amen. So I've spent the last few months just looking at how I've allowed or adopted or brought in this culture into my life, into how I parent, into how I view relationships, and how I res respond in relationships. And you can carry fear, and oftentimes it just masquerades as concern, and it just becomes normal if you live with it long enough. And you say things like, well, we just have to be prepared, or of course I'm concerned. And, I, and don't miss what I'm saying. I, I prepare. I don't prepare in fear. And living with fear is not the way the kingdom works. So the, I read this the other day. It said the biggest stage that any of us will ever step on is the floor of our home and you can't manifest the kingdom to your family to your children to your spouse to your neighbor if you're not if that kingdom is not manifesting in you and in our own lives and the evidence of the kingdom of heaven is found in just the agape love of God this is the nature of God and we all know first Corinthians 13 and I'm going to read it in the passion translation and you've heard this before and it says, 13, 4, and 7, love is large and incredibly patient, or love patiently endures mistreatment. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous 
when, because the root of that, just fear, goes back, fear. When blessing comes to someone else, love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. Love never loses faith. It's the best antidote to a culture of fear, and it's reaches far because it's a stark contrast to how everyone else lives, right? We have a new nature, and a new nature demands a new culture. And it's so important we get this because your destiny, it will always be multi-generational. Does that make sense? Your destiny is always multi-generational. A culture of love creates a legacy of love, which create generation after generations after generations after generations of love. So you're setting your family up to think kingdom. The evidence of the kingdom of heaven is there is no fear in love. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth, in my life, in my family, in my church, in my home, as it is in heaven. So we live without offense. We live without grievance. We're not moved by someone, how someone treats us or how situations look on the outside. Because we know that they're not the solution. We are. And we have what they need. I want to end by reading Ephesians 3. Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you, and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life, providing you with a secure foundation that grows and grows, because he's building in all of us a kingdom that cannot be sh shaken, or taken. Sometimes maybe it is shaken, but it can't be taken. A resurrected kingdom that God's building in us through process, sometimes through pain, through stretch, through obedience, through renewing our minds, by standing in faith where the life of Christ will be released deep inside you, and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life providing you with a secure foundation that grows and grows. We are not moved by fear because it's not our culture. It's not how heaven works. And then it goes on to say, Then as your spiritual strength increases, you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences. Not everyone. What every holy one experiences. The great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions how deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. I love the quote. I think it's Bill Johnson that said, You know your mind is renewed when the impossible seems logical. Because that seems impossible. An impossible family situation. And yet God is working. Even now. Especially now. So. I just. I believe and I prophesy that 2019. Will be a year. 
of unexpected gifts, blessings, favor, things that weren't even on your radar, things that you had prayed about and forgotten, we will see the fulfillment of those, of those prayers. Matt and I say things, and I'll wrap up. I wanted to close with this. Matt and I say things over our day um, in the morning. We teach our kids to. Uh, Jen Tringale said that uh, you better start speaking to your day before it speaks to you. And so I wanted to share some of the things that we say because it sets the culture of our home. I want to be intentional that when we open our mouths, words of promise, words of purpose come out. So some of the things that we say would be, I will thrive no matter what. No matter what happens, I will be okay. I understand my assignment and my giftings, and I know what God's called me to do and not to do. I am a great decision maker, and I attach faith to every decision I make. It is cute to see Garrison in his little voice say this. I am unconditionally loved by God and worthy to receive love and blessings today. I don't wait for perfection to celebrate myself and be joyful. In every situation I face, I have many options, solutions, and divine ideas. There is always a solution. I am solution. I believe the future will be better than the present, and I have the power to help make it so. In fact, this is my best day yet. This is my best week yet. This is my best month yet. This is my best year yet. Because 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, agape, but perfect love, agape, cast out fear, because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love, agape, which holds no record of wrong, the evidence of the kingdom of heaven. Thank you guys so much for checking out this week's message. If there is any message that you have missed or you just want to hear again, they are all available for free on iTunes. Just search Anchor Faith Church Valdosta and be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified once the new messages are available. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our church and what we have available for you and your family, or if you'd like to donate financially to the ministry, be sure to visit our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.